0: to be back. I know we have uh, many people away from us this morning, a lot of college students either going to college for the first time or uh, those who are returning once again, and so we look forward to having them back next week. Um, It was a pleasure to spend a a week with uh, my family and my my mom and my dad as we set sail last Sunday morning, a week ago Sunday morning, for Alaska. Uh, We went up to, through the uh, uh, the Inside Passage and stopped in Ketchikan and Juneau. And our last stop, or I, I should say our first to last stop, was at Skagway, and then we met, made our way back to Victoria. I'll never forget, um, Abby and I took a stroll through Skagway. It was literally, it was like, I think we walked four miles this that morning before everyone else woke up and then came back to the ship and picked them up. And here's the probably the, the most vivid memory I have of Skagway. I realized that they charged $6.50 for a cup of coffee. And, uh, you know, you got to have a cup of coffee in the morning. So I thought, ah, I've, I've got this. I said, uh, using Canadian money here? And the gal said... This is America, sir. So six fifty for a cup of coffee? I don't think so. But it is good to be back, and uh, I'm always excited to uh, preach the Word of God. So I want to encourage you this morning to turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We have made our way to Ephesians chapter 6. We're nearing the end, but I should warn you that we are going to walk slowly, ever so slowly through this last chapter in Paul's letter to uh, the Ephesians. Every obedient, spirit-filled Christian is a submitting Christian. So says Dr. John MacArthur. One of the lessons that we have learned together, not only in the book of Ephesians, but in many other studies, is that uh, every Christian is under authority. So far in the book of Ephesians, we have seen that, first and foremost, wives are under authority. The wife, as we learn in Ephesians 5, is called, is commanded to submit to the authority of her husband. Husbands, likewise, are also under authority. The husband is called under the authority of God to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Today we will move to children. We we see very vividly in Ephesians chapter 6 that children are called to submit to the authority of their parents. And so I want to begin by letting you know that this sermon will be in large measure devoted to children and teenagers. And that's probably the reason why none of the teenagers are sitting in the front row, because they knew it was coming. Yeah, and I see some of them in the back row. I'm kidding. Here's the question I would pose to, to children and to teens. How many of you have ever done something wrong? and all the adults are raising their hands when you we'll, we'll start really simply when you when you take that cookie that mom said you were not supposed to eat before dinner you did something you were not supposed to you did something wrong in other words you disobeyed when you watch a television show or rent a movie or view a movie on Netflix that you know your parents would be against you do something wrong, you disobey. Teenagers in particular, when you, when you break curfew, when your mom and dad says it's Friday night, you need to be in by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, whatever it is that your parents have ordained, when you break curfew, you do something wrong, that is to say, you, you disobey. Most people recognize that a, a given law implies a lawgiver. When we think about a law, we recognize that there is a lawgiver behind that law. And even though most Americans say that they believe in God, have you heard that one? 93% of Americans surveyed, did you get that? 93% of Americans surveyed, most of whom who say they believe in God, say this. They and nobody else determines what is right and moral in their lives. 93 out of 100 Americans say they alone determine what is right and moral in their lives. They base their decisions on their own experience and even on their own daily whims. 74% of Americans in this particular study said, I will steal from those who will not miss what I steal. 64% 64% said, I will lie when it suits me so long as it doesn't cause any real damage. 53% of Americans said, and this is a shocker, I will cheat on my spouse after all, given the chance, he or she would do the same to me. 30% of Americans said, I will cheat on my taxes to a point. So you see this against the law attitude is is vividly portrayed in American culture. Now, I'm going to date myself here. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I I remembered something that took place back on the MTV Music Awards in 2003. So this is over 15 years ago. Some of you will remember this if you're as old as me. It's something that just kind of shook America for a brief moment when Britney Spears kissed Madonna on national television. And she proceeded to chant the line, We are all bored with the concept of right and wrong. Now think about that. That was 15 years ago. We're bored with the concept of right and wrong. Well, let's come back to reality. The Bible, as you very well know, describes what is right and wrong. The Bible tells very clearly that there is a personal God... And that personal God tells us how to live for our own good and for His own glory. Remember this God is our highest authority. His laws are binding on our hearts, His laws are binding on our minds, His laws are binding on our conscience. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 40 and you don't need to turn there but we will come back to this verse later Lord willing. Here's what scripture says. Therefore you shall keep his statutes that is God's statutes and his commandments which I command you today that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. With those thoughts, I want to have you stand with me as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1-4. to 4. The title of the message is, The Deadly Danger of Dry Rot. Read along with me, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers... Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Father, it never ceases to amaze me how how practical the word of God is. And here we come to uh, a very special section where we address children in particular and also fathers. And so I pray that uh, you would instruct us by the power of your spirit. I pray that uh, each person, even those who are not yet parents, would see how important this passage is. And for those who have parents who have already been, or children who have already been raised and are out of the house, God, I pray for grandparents, that they would see how these things apply to them as well. And so, would you come afresh? Would you encourage us? Would you uh, enable us to understand your word? Help us to obey it, all for the glory of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, this passage teaches us, as I've already indicated, a very important lesson that is addressed to children in particular and also to fathers, as you see at the end of verse 4. I want to begin by, by looking at... One of my favorite catechisms, this is a a catechism that Chris Veldman has used for many years to teach the junior hires. And many of you have junior hires who have gone through that program and have been blessed immeasurably by uh, my friend Chris's ministry. I want to have you look with me at the Heidelberg Catechism just for a moment. And I want to have you look at the first question, if we could put that on the screen. The question Concerns the fifth commandment. And it's simply put, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? Look at the answer. The answer is that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother to And to all who are set in authority over me, that I submit myself with respectful obedience to their careful instruction and discipline, and that I also bear patiently their failures, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. I would submit to you that that is a very beautiful and a very biblical description of what children are called to do by Almighty God in the Ten Commandments, and also in the commandment that, set, that is set forth in Ephesians chapter 6. The message this morning it has a very simple structure. I want to give you the overview in advance and then walk you through it together. First, I want you to look with me at the meaning of the command. In other words, what, what is the meaning, what is the, the basic understanding of what it means for children to obey and also to honor your parents? Then we're going to look, secondly, at the model. Of this command. There's a very important model that I help you understand it in a more important uh, and penetrating way. And then finally, we will move to the third section of the message where we, we will discover the motivation or the motive for the command. We'll see three motives in particular. But number one, the meaning of the command. Look at verses one and two. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with the promise. In verses 1 and 2, Paul uses two important words that drive home the importance of children who live under authority. Children are called first to obey their parents, and they are also called to honor their parents. Paul says that children are to... Obey their parents in the Lord. In other words, obeying your parents, young people, obeying your parents is an absolutely crucial part of Christian discipleship. If you can say, I'm really, I'm having a hard time obeying my parents right now. I just, I'm rebelling. I'm in a position where I'm defiant of their authority. You can know this, that your discipleship is at an all-time low if you're even a disciple, And so this is a very important matter. The Greek word translated obey means to simply listen or to obey. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul says it like this. Children, obey your parents in... Does anyone know what he says? Everything or all things. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. So here's the big question. Young people, do you want to know what it means for you to please the Lord? Answer, obey your parents. And all the parents said, I, I wish the kids could see these, it's like these Cheshire Cat smiles on all their heads. Like, yeah, yeah, I like this. I'm glad I came to church today. Do you want to know what pleases God? Obey mom and dad. But I want to take it a step further. I want to dig deeper with you and have you look closer at the second term, which is found in verse 2. We're not only told children are called to obey their parents, but look at the word in verse 2. Honor your father and your mother. I want to look first of all at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we see that the word honor comes from the word that is translated to glorify. Now, what does glorify mean? It means to to cause, to be heavy. It means to honor. It means to revere. It means to glorify. One writer says it like this. To honor someone means to respect the person and to give him or her appropriate attention and obedience. Another commentator says to honor one's parents means to value or prize them highly. Now, if you're a, if you're a children today, if you're a kid, if you're a teenager, if you're a child, this, this, should, this should blow you away. You are called as a young person to to revere your parents. And remember, it comes from that Hebrew word that means to glorify. Now, your parents are not God. Only God is God. But God Almighty says as young people, as children, as teenagers, you are called to revere, to honor, to obey your parents. If you ever have the opportunity to attend a State of the Union address in Washington, D.C., it would be a, a rare moment. If you ever have the opportunity to do that, whether you are... For the president or against the president, whether you agree with the the policies and the politics of the president or if you disagree with the politics and the, the policies of the president, ask this question. How would you show respect to the president of the United States? Well, you would stand. You would applaud. You would listen Carefully, you would cheer at the proper moment. Those would be ways of showing proper respect. And in a similar fashion, we are called to to honor, to respect, to revere our parents in just that way. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Leviticus 19.3, Every one of you shall revere his mother and father and shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. And once again, the parents are thinking, this is great. I like this. My parents are called, or my children rather, are called to revere me. Now turn to the New Testament because what we see is, is something fascinating. We see that the Greek words Obey, translated from the Greek word to obey and to honor, are are basically the same words. They they are words that are used interchangeably. Let me show you what happens. Again, in Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Look at Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Matthew 19.19, Honor your father and mother. Or Mark 7, verse 10. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Mark chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus said, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Now, hold your finger in Ephesians 6 and look with me at Romans chapter 12, just for a moment. Romans chapter 12, and I want to have you take a look at verse 10. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And listen to what Paul says. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You could look at this as a somewhat of a competition. I'm going to, I'm going to, I I so want to honor my mom and dad. I want to outdo one another in showing honor. As I was thinking about this passage, the thought struck me that the young people probably need to figure out how to, how to gauge themselves. What are the benchmarks of biblical obedience? And the the thought of a, a thermometer popped into my mind. What happens when you start to get a tickle in your throat? What happens when your forehead gets warm? What happens when your body starts, you know that, feel, that horrible feeling when you're at work and you start to get all tingly and you're like, oh boy, here it comes. So you go home and you, you break out the thermometer, right? And what do you do? You stick it in your mouth. You stick it under your tongue and you hold it there for a minute and you look at it and it says 103.2. That's not good. I'm really sick. I've got a fever. And so what I want to do now is to take some time to assess for the children and for the teenagers where you are in terms of biblical submission and obedience to your mom and dad. I want you to consider this not a physical thermometer, but I want you to consider this as what I like to call the honor thermometer or the obedience thermometer and there are three aspects of this honor thermometer that i want you to pay close attention to how is it that i can determine whether or not i am sick spiritually number one think about the matter of reverence we've already talked about that reverence is deep respect or love or awe for your parents when your parents set standards that are in keeping with God's word, when your parents rightly establish rules of the household, when your parents say, these are the things that I expect of you, what is your response? Do you respect them from the heart? I remember when I was a youth pastor, I used to deal with students all the time on these kinds of issues. Is Parents would come to me and they would say, my children aren't obeying me. They're they're disobedient. They're defiant. And so I would go and I would sit down with young people and I would say, man, your your dad just talked to me today. And they say, he says, you're really struggling with being disobedient. Is that true? No, I I do everything they tell me to. I said, give me an example. Well, my mom said before I went to school, I, I was to take out the trash. And I thought, ah, I got him. Did you take out the trash? And he went, yeah, I did. And I said, What was your attitude like when you took out the trash? What do you mean? Did you do it joyfully? Well, no. Did you roll your eyes at your mom? Well, yeah. Did you stomp out to the front yard? Yeah. And I would say this. Then you didn't obey your mom. But I did what she asked me to do. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Is is this is a matter of the heart. Are you obeying from the heart or do you rebel against your parents' authority? So number one, in the honor thermometer, do you revere your parents? Number two, in the honor thermometer, obedience, do you submit to the authority of your parents? C.S. Lewis, in his little book entitled The Weight of Glory, said this, and it's powerful, it's worth writing down. He said, obedience, in fact, I, I wish that every teenager would write this on their Peachy, or their notebook, or in their Evernote account, or on their steering wheel, or wherever it is you can see this. C.S. Lewis said, Obedience is the road to freedom. I see lots of adults writing it down. Obedience is the road to freedom. When your parents ask you, once again, to be in at a certain time, do you obey? When your parents ask you, We would. Rather, have you not associate with that group of friends? They're, they're bad. They're bad influences. Do you obey? Or do you sneak around with those friends so that your parents don't know what you're doing? When your parents ask you to do something or to not do something, what is your response? Are you an obedient child? Number three, thankfulness. Thankfulness. This simply means to have a spirit of thanksgiving. And so very simply, young people, when, when your mom makes dinner, do you thank her? And it's not just, eh, thanks, but it's, mom, wow, thank you for that incredible dinner. When your father does something special for you do, you, do you thank him? When he goes out of his way to do something special or meaningful, do you thank him? You just say, mom, dad, thanks for taking care of me. There's a book that will be released in a few short weeks by one of my favorite authors. He's a a pastor on the East Coast. His name's Kevin DeYoung. And the title of the book is The Ten Commandments. And I, I commend it to you and actually recommend it highly. And here's what Kevin DeYoung says about this matter of gratitude as it relates to children. He said gratitude or thankfulness is one of the chief ways we can honor our parents. He says, I didn't understand this when I was a kid. But the life of a parent is one of constant sacrifice. It's joyful, but it's a sacrifice of parents' time, money, energy, desires, sleep, and sometimes tears. It's an office and a responsibility of great sacrifice. One of the ways we can show honor to those who have sacrificed so much for us is by simply being grateful. And that's that's a huge takeaway this morning for the children and for the young people. One of the ways you can exercise biblical obedience is by simply being thankful for your parents. And so simply put, honoring mom and dad is a matter of the heart. And I want to illustrate that by having you look with me at one other passage in John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, Jesus says something that I find very interesting and instructive. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Here's what he says. He says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Here's the lesson, and it's an important lesson for all of us. To the degree that you fail to revere, obey, and show thankfulness to your mom and dad, to that degree, you fail to honor your parents in the way that God has commanded. And so I would ask the young people, once again, do you want to obey God? Do you want to please God? If you want to obey God, you want to please God, one of the greatest ways of doing that is by obeying your parents. Now, I want to move forward and look briefly at the model behind the command, the model behind the command, and have you look briefly with me at the example of the Trinity. Many of you have heard this rationale before, and so it will be a bit of review for you. But the Trinity provides us with a framework for authority. This is deeply encouraging for every wife, for every husband, for every child, for every employer, for every employee. For the Trinity tells us this. The three members of the Godhead are equal. They're equal. And we understand that in this equal relationship among the members of the Godhead that the Son submits to the Father. And in the confines of the Trinity, we also recognize that the Holy Spirit submits also to the Son and the Father. And so, wives are called to submit to their husbands. Children are called to submit to their parents. Next week, we will see that employees are commanded to submit to their given employer. Finally... And we'll camp here the motive for the command. I should say the motives for the command. Motive number one, and we've seen this already. Motive number one, why should I obey this command? Because God is our highest authority. God is our highest authority. And we need to believe that. We need to embrace that with all of our hearts. Here's what Deuteronomy chapter 26 says. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all of your heart and all of your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and commandments and rules and will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he has promised you. And that you are to keep all his commandments. And that he will set you in praise and in fame and in high honor above all the nations that he has made. That you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God as he has promised. Later in Deuteronomy 27 verses 9 and 10 we read. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel keep Silence and hear, O Israel. Can you imagine being among the people that day? When Moses said, Keep silence and hear, all Israel. This day you become the people of the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. So motivation number one, why should I obey this commandment? God is my highest authority. Motive number two. Motive number two is that God promises blessing for the obedient. Now, for the the children and the teenagers today, this is something I, I, I want you to hear and to remember forever, is when you... When you read a commandment in the Word of God, remember this, it's there for two reasons. It's there to provide for you, and it's there to protect you. You see, we tend to think that the commandments are, oh, God's God's being mean to me, or God doesn't want me to have any fun. Nothing could be further from the truth. Every commandment is specifically designed to provide for you and to protect you. And we see that vividly illustrated here in Ephesians chapter 6. It's what I like to call the twofold blessing. What is the blessing for the child who honors and obeys his parents? Verse two honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. In other words, if you obey this commandment, there is, there is a promise attached to it. Verse three that it may go well with you. That's the first part of the promise. This comes from a Hebrew term that means to be joyful or beautiful. Obey mom and dad and the promise is one of of joy and one of beauty. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 and 2. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God. Being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The first part of the twofold blessing, that it may go well with you. Secondly, that that your days may be long. That your days may be long, verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, I promised that we'd come back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40. Therefore, you shall keep his statues and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and your children after you, that you may prolong your days in the land the Lord your God has given you for all time. You might think of this as, a, as an umbrella, and we used to help our children as we were raising them in the early years understand that you put the umbrella up, and what does it do? It shields you from the rain. The umbrella of blessing for children is this. You obey mom and dad, and the promise is long life. It may go well with you, and your days may be long. Motivation number three. And this is where the the rubber meets the road. And listen carefully. And I can remember when I read this quote that I'm going to provide in just a moment, and it literally sent shivers through my body. Motivation number three is you will be miserable if you disobey mom and dad. When I was a youth pastor, I used to pray all the time. I mean, you know, the imprecatory prayers of the song. I used to pray for... Joe Schmo and Sally, if that they are going to disobey mom and dad, I would pray that they would be miserable. Isn't that mean? And I don't even know if I needed to pray it because it's what the Scripture teaches. You will be miserable if you disobey, disobey your parents. Simply put, if you refuse to honor your parents, you will rot. You will rot. Here's the quote I read over 20 years ago. This quote comes from John Calvin's book, The Institute of the Christian Religion, which he first penned in 1536. And in 1536, when he was just a young man, a a newly converted young man, he wrote this book, and it it is one of the most incredible books that's ever been penned by a Christian man. I should also tell you that it was the number one selling book in France in the 16th century, just after its release date. And now, you ask Christians all over the globe... Have you even heard of Calvin's institutes of the Christian religion? Many have not heard of it. Even more have never even opened the pages. Here's what Calvin says. Those who abusively or stubbornly violate parental authority are monsters, not men. Isn't that something? You disobey mom and dad. Calvin says, you're not a man. You're a monster. If you choose to reject the authority that God has placed in your life, you will be miserable. That applies to wives who rebuff the authority of their husbands. That applies to children who rebuff the authority of their parents. That applies to husbands who are not loving their wives as Christ loves the church. That applies to employees who who do things in, in secret, underhanded ways at work. Do things that are illegal. Do things that that violate the law. Do things that don't honor their employers. If you reju- if, if you choose to reject the authority that God has placed in your life, you will be miserable. And I have to say this for children: if you choose to reject your parents' authority, you will you are on a, a, a short path to also rejecting all the other people who stand in authority over you. This is what you might call the deadly danger of dry rot. Now, dry rot, the dictionary definition is this. It's a fungus decay causing timber or wood to become brittle and crumble to powder. I had never really experienced dry rot until we moved to Everson. Welcome to Everson. So those of you that have been to our home, we have these these kind of minor pillars out in front of our home and is it foraging pillars three pillars in front of our house and it it really makes the house look beautiful Well, one day my wife came to me and she says honey i think we have a problem i said what's going on and she says i think we have dry rot in the pillars if you know me at all you know that i was oh man i know how to fix that i can't fix anything (laughs) i mean i have a hard time putting gasoline in my car And Drain says, what are we going to do? We have to fix it. (laughs) And why are you laughing at me? And so I learned that that what had happened, actually Drain figured this out, is the sprinkler system had been set incorrectly. Instead of shooting only onto the grass, which I do know that, the sprinklers are for the grass, not for the wood columns. They had been Day after day after day after day, probably for five years, unbeknownst to us, from the springtime in the summer, when the waters turned on, shooting at these pillars. And as we began to take the hammer and the chisel and started to chip it away, the more we chipped, the more we realized we had a big problem. Now, the good part of the story is that we had it fixed. And we were able to, no, I didn't fix it. Someone else fixed it, right? Actually, Jereen fixed it. (laughs) She did great, right? And Chris Veldman helped us, right? But there's a lesson in this funny story. It's funny now. It wasn't so funny back then. Is that dry rot doesn't happen overnight. If those sprinklers hit the columns one day or two days or even 10 or 20 days, no harm, no foul, but day after day, after day, after day, what's that lead to? Someone yell it out. Dry rot. And so for a child, for a teenager, as bad as it is, if you disobeyed mom and dad today, yeah, that's disobedience, right? But you, you go to your mom and dad and you say, mom, I, I'm so sorry. I did what you told me not to do. Will you forgive me? Yes, son, I forgive you. And you move on. But if there is a pattern of disobedience in your life, day after day, after day, after day, after day, someone yell it out. What's that result in? Dry rot. Dry rot. And what I'm trying to say, what the word of God is trying to say, is that will literally ruin your life. That will literally destroy your life if you choose to disobey your parents. Now, I want you to see something on this next slide. And some of you may have picked up on it earlier. Let's look at it. When we looked at, or did we already go there? Well, yeah, let's look at it here. There we go. Let's go all the way through. You remember the honor thermometer? When we revere our parents, when we obey our parents, when we show thanksgiving to our parents, that tells us that we're, we're healthy We're on the right track in our discipleship. Does anyone see what I want to illustrate here? If you refuse to revere your parents, if you refuse to obey your parents, if you refuse to be thankful, you will rot. And it won't happen overnight. It won't happen over a course of weeks. But over the months... Month after month after month, when you fail to honor your parents, you disobey God. To disobey God is to dishonor God, and to dishonor God is to fail to glorify God. To fail to glorify God is to heap a great insult on the great majesty of his name. Did you get all that? One more time. When you fail to honor your parents... And wives, you can do this with your husbands. Husbands, do this with your wives. Next week, with employers and employ, employers, employers and employees, insert yourself into this sentence. When you fail to honor your parents, you disobey God. To disobey God is to dishonor God. To dishonor God is to fail to glorify God. To fail to glorify God is to heap a great insult upon His Majesty. Now, if you're a child or a teenager, I want you to just, just take a deep breath and know that I'm, I'm done with you for about five minutes. And then we're going to come back to, to children and teenagers once again. But I want to focus here for a few minutes by way of application on mom and dad. All the kids are going, yeah, I like this. A few points of application for parents. What is the parental responsibility for a Christian parent? And I would also include grandparents here. So if you're a mom or a dad, if you're a grandpa or a grandma, or you will soon be a mom, dad, or a grandpa or a grandma, here are some points of application that I hope will serve you well. Number one, teach your children the word of God. Teach your children the word of God. Would you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6? Deuteronomy chapter 6, and a massively important section of Scripture for moms and dads. This is in that section. We call it the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Continue. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And these words that I shall command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall, they shall be as, as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Teach your children the word of God. Number two, live according to the word of God before your children. It was Dawson Troutman who rightly said so many years ago that more is caught than taught. Now, that doesn't mean you don't need to teach. That doesn't mean you don't need to teach, but he's right. More is caught than taught. Teach your children the word of God, but also demonstrate what it means to live out the principles of God's word. In addition, fathers, fathers resolve to never provoke your children to anger. Look at verse 4. Ephesians 6, verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Thomas Watson, one of my favorite Puritan writers, asks, how does a father provoke his child to anger? And he gives three reasons. He says, fathers provoke their children to anger when they strike them without a cause or when correction exceeds the fault. There's a harshness, an anger, an unbiblical kind of of response to your children. He says fathers also provoke their children to anger when they mock and ridicule their children if you 're a father who says to your son or daughter you 'll never amount to anything or you 're dumb or you never do good in school that is too that is to that is to treat your child in a way where you provoke your child to anger. Watson continues. He says, parents provoke their children to anger when they act partially towards their children, showing more kindness to one than another. In other words, you play favorites. Watson says that is to provoke anger in your child. Number three, the third point of application, demonstrate what it means to live under authority. Demonstrate what it means to live under authority. It was Strange of all people, it was the Duke of Windsor that said, The thing that impresses me most about America is the way that parents obey their children. (laughs) Did you get that? I see it all the time. The thing that impresses the Duke of Windsor more than anything is the way that parents obey their children. Ted Tripp, the author of Shepherding the Heart of a Child, says, When we allow our children to become independent decision makers, we give them a false idea of liberty and a mistaken notion about freedom. Freedom is not found in autonomy. It is found in obedience. You remember what Lewis said? Obedience is the pathway to freedom. Number four, connect with your children. Connect with your children. Here, relationship is the key. The late Howard Hendricks said this, and it it is so, so wise. He says, rules without relationship equal rebellion. Dads, are you wondering why your child is rebellious? Ask this, do I have a relationship with my daughter? Do I have a relationship with my son? Because rules without relationship equal rebellion. Ted Tripp continues, he says that the heart determines behavior. If you address the heart biblically, the behavior will be impacted. And so mom and dad, as you're disciplining your children, as you're raising your children, as you're discipling your children, the key issue with your child is the heart, is you're going after the heart. The behavior follows from the heart. Number five, discipline your children. And I say this most dogmatically to fathers in particular. Steer clear of passivity. Right? Dads, if, if you and your wife are in the room, who is the first person to get on the matter of discipline? It's you. You don't delegate that to your wife. Here, here, here is what I learned in my home. When my dad was at work and my mother had to take out the rod... Spank me. This was the rule that when Dad got home, I was getting another one, it was gonna be even harder. You know what that means? Means I didn't get very many spankings. Right? (laughs) But what that taught me was this is the father is the head of his house. The father is the leader, he is the first line of defense. Proverbs 22, verse 15, and we don't have time to look at all the the ways that culture is affecting the way we discipline our children. But remember what the word of God says. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. I hear it all the time. I refuse to spank my child. Guess what? You're just asking for a rebellious child. Proverbs 19, 8, discipline your son for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Do you hear what Psalm is saying there? If you refuse to discipline your children, you're just, you're just casting a death sentence on your children. Proverbs 23, verse 13, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Number six. And most important, point your children to the cross. And remember, it's a matter of the heart. Point your son or your daughter to the cross. For only in the cross of Christ can our children experience true freedom, true forgiveness, and learn by God's grace to honor and respect and show thankfulness to their parents. You see, the central focus of parenting, you see, is the gospel. It's not behavior modification. The central matter of parenting is the gospel. I want to give a seventh point of application, and it is probably the most practical point I can give. Are you ready? If you're a mom or a dad and you're looking for for good help to move forward in parenting in a gospel-centered, biblical way, I want you to sign up to attend Ken and Tammy Alsom's parenting class. They will be using the book by Ted Tripp, Shepherding the Heart of a Child. And Dreen and I have gone on record, have been saying this for almost 15 years. It is the best parenting book that's ever been written. It really is. And so Ken and Tammy are going to walk through principles beginning on September the 9th that will help you understand what it means to be a gospel-centered parent. And so I would say, do whatever you have to do to get to this class. If you will go on the foyer after the service, a table is set up, and you can visit with Ken and Tammy. My goal for Ken and Tammy is that their sign-up sheets will be filled up today. And so I want to encourage you to attend that class. And those of you that are saying, well, I was kind of interested in Tom Junkbus's class. Like, First Peter sounds cool, and, and I mean your class, Pastor Dave, sounds cool, the Doctrine of Salvation, you can come to those classes later. If you're a mom or a dad... I'll put it this way. Please don't come to my class. I can't believe I just said that. If you're a mom or a dad, don't come to my class. Don't come to Tom's class. Sorry, Tom. Go to Canon Tammy Olson's parenting class. These other classes will be offered down the road. Here is the, 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 the takeaway today, the, the big idea, the truth point. Children, as I promised I would come back to you, are commanded by God to honor their parents. I do want to add, if, if your mom or dad instructs you to do something that is strictly forbidden in the Word of God, this is what you're called to do. You disobey your parents. Did everyone hear that? If your mom or dad ask you to do something that is forbidden by Scripture... You were to disobey your parents. I have rarely seen that take place in 26 years of ministry. Children are commanded by God to honor their parents. So I want to conclude with a few points of application for children and for young people. And I want to say it this way. If you're a child, if you're a teenager today, and the word of God has been communicating some very important lessons to you, there are four different responses that you might have. Number one. You may need to affirm your commitment to honor your parents. Maybe you've been in a period of rebellion. Maybe you just struggle with obeying your mom and dad. You might need to go to mom and dad today. Maybe at lunch or maybe at dinner or sometime over the course of today. And I'd encourage you to do it today and say, mom, dad, I heard the word of God today. And my commitment is to honor and respect and obey you. Number two. You might be here and you need to reaffirm your commitment to honor your parents. Perhaps you started well, but you you hit a rocky patch in your life and you realize, you know, I just need to reaffirm that commitment to mom and dad. I need to to settle the score with my parents and let them know that I, I realize I've kind of fallen away. It's almost like I can see that sprinkler hitting the the doorpost of my life. And it's been happening for week after week after week after week. And I sense the dry rot is setting in. Mom and dad, I turn from my sin. Will you forgive me? I reaffirm my commitment to honor you. And you also take that sin to the cross and you ask God to forgive you. Number three, I want everyone to remember that it is the gospel that empowers you to obey your parents. You know, you cannot, you cannot do it on your own. I'm reading a book right now on the brain, on thinking and learning and, and being successful. And it's an interesting book. But the author of the book says, you're the captain of your soul. Guess what? That author is wrong. You are not the captain of your soul. Apart from the gospel, you will never obey the word of God. So it is by the power of the gospel, young people, that you obey your parents. There's a fourth person here, and you might need to do this. You might need to commit to honor your parents for the very first time. You might need to, to draw a line in the sand and say, Mom and Dad, I have never obeyed you. I have never honored you, and I heard the word of God loud and clear. I choose from this point on to honor you, to respect your authority, and to obey you. You realize the dry rot is setting in, and it's ruining your life, I can tell you story after story after story where young people either chose to obey mom and dad and moved on to live a, a, a wonderful and a productive and a God-fearing life or young people who chose to to run away from their parents to rebel against the authority of their parents. And as Paul Harvey said, you know, the rest of the story. Things are not going well for them. And so may I encourage you. Every child, every young person, I want to encourage you to submit, to obey, to respect, to honor the authority of mom and dad. And dads, will you step up and be the leaders in your home? Will you step up and be the first line of defense? Will you be a support to your wife? Will you love your wife as Christ loves the church? Will you raise and train your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for these practical principles, these lessons that you set forth for us in Ephesians 6. God, I pray for, for children and for teenagers that you would enable them by your grace, by the power of the gospel, to obey mom and dad, to honor mom and dad, and that they would, they would realize the blessing as Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 promises God, I pray for for fathers in particular, that they would be the first line of defense, that they would lead their homes with with humility and contrition, that they would be men who tremble at the word of God, that their wives would be encouraged by the, the leadership of these men. I pray that the children, boys and girls, and young men and young women would be encouraged to know that fathers love them so very much, that mothers love them so very much. So would you help us here at Christ Fellowship to be a good example for living out these principles, these very important principles that involve authority and submission. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.